Okay. Nathan Hale in 1776 said, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Throughout history, there has been this concept of people who give themselves up for the, the religion or the group that they associate with or for a certain theology or for a certain cause that they feel strongly about. That there is this idea, and we see it come up time and time again, that people are willing to give their life for something that they feel strongly about. Unfortunately, we still have that today, that we have suicide bombers, and there is an entire study that has been done over the past number of decades about the tremendous rise in suicide bombing. And the thought process is the same throughout all of history, is that if you really, really, really believe in something, you'll be willing to die for it. What I want to look at is one Gemara. And in this Gemara, it talks about the Jewish approach to this concept of are we meant to die for our ideology? And we can do the Gemara outside, but the basic concept of this Gemara is, and this we'll do inside and then we'll jump outside for a lot of the back and forth. But this is a Gemara Masachat Sanhedrin, and this is really one of those foundational Gemaras that I say there are a number of things that we grow up believing, that whether it is that there are Sheva Neviot, that there are seven women who Hashem spoke to, that's something we kind of just take for granted. But there is a Gemara that delves into how do we know that none of the other women that we know about are Neviot, and how do we know that those Neviot are truly Neviot? This is one of those types of Gemaras as well. That in this Gemara, it talks about the three mitzvot that are Yaharig v'al Yavor. That these are three mitzvot that you must be killed rather than violating them. And this Gemara goes through, well, we take that for granted, that we know that there are three mitzvot like this, but how do we actually know that? So this Gemara begins. Amar b'yochanam mishum rabbi Shimon ben Yehud tzadak. Nimnu v'gimru b'aliyah b'netazeh balur. We are sitting around in Lod, and we went through all of the Avero that are listed in the Torah. All of the mitzvot and all of the Avero in the Torah, if someone tells you, violate them, you should violate it rather than being killed. Rather, there are only three that you must die rather than violate them, and those are Avodas Kochavim, Avodzara, Gile Arayos, immoral relationships, vishvichas damim, and murder. And now it goes through each one of these, and how do we know it to be true? And it begins with avodas kochavim, and there is an interesting debate in which it states, and in this debate it says, there seems to be another proof that would tell us that we should serve avodazara rather than die. Where is this? As it says, we have this concept, even by Avodazara tells us, that if someone tells you to violate this Avira, you should, or you will die, you should violate the Avira because we believe that the Torah was given us to us in order to live by it, that we don't believe in dying for Torah, rather we believe in living for Torah. So now an important question is asked that is going to be asked for each of the Avira, and it is going to say, 
is it possible that one situation is talking about when it's an individual and one situation is talking about when it's in public? That possibly if someone were to tell you in private to serve Avodazara, we would say serve the Avodazara, you don't need to die. But if it was Bifarhesia, if it was in front of many people, what do we believe then? And it says, Talmud Lomar, the kadashi. You should not desecrate my name. You should glorify it. And therefore, we say Bifarhesia, when it comes to a matter of this situation of being told to serve Avodazara or die, if this takes place in public, then you should be ready to be killed rather than to serve Avodazara in public because of this Pasuk in Vayikra that it quotes, that you should not desecrate my name. And now the rest of the Gemara goes on and it discusses back and forth each one of these Avirot and has very similar discussions in which it says there is the one side of the Chai Bahem and that seems, seems to apply when it's a matter of individuals that when we're, there's no concept of something being done in public, we are much more, quote unquote, lenient in terms of not requiring you to die for the cause. But when it comes to public, that there seems to be an additional element, then we add in this concept that it quotes over and over again, and you should sanctify me. And therefore, you should not violate this commandment. So what I want to do is I want to look at that Pasuk and I want to see what is this broader concept that seems to be applying in each of these situations. It doesn't seem to be a direct command, like there is no mitzvah of you should not. We have each and every one of the commandments on their own. You should not serve a Vodazara, you should not commit Giloy Arayos, you should not commit Shri Chastama, but there seems to be this overarching, somewhat broader concept that is applied in each one of these situations. The other thing that we have to keep in mind that is repeated over and over again is v'chai bahem, that we should learn, that we should live through them. Then remember that the Jewish ideal is not to die for something. The Jewish ideal is to live a life filled with Torah and mitzvot. So let's keep both of those things in mind. But I want to look at what is this broader concept, and it comes up in this week's Parsha. The beginning of this week's parsha is all a long address to the Kohanim of exactly what they are meant to do. And then we end off in Vayikra Parakhafbet with a Pasuk that we saw already in this Gemara that is quoted many, many times that gives us a foundational mitzvah in Judaism. You should follow my mitzvah and you should and you should guard over them. Ani Hashem, I am Hashem your God. You should not desecrate my name. And you should glorify me among the Israel. So what does this mean? What is this Pasuk? And the second question is going to be, based on how, what we understand this Pasuk to mean, based on what we believe we learn from here, we want to understand why is it placed in this specific location? So the first approach is that of the Ibn Ezra, which is what do we learn from this Pasuk? The Ibn Ezra says, So the Ibn Ezra says to us 
This line is coming at the end of a long series of instructions specifically to B'nai Aaron. That is why it is listed here, because it is the conclusion of the address to B'nai Aaron to the Kohanim. And it is ending off this speech to B'nai Aaron with a warning to B'nai Aaron that says, You should not desecrate my name, rather you should glorify my name. How should you do that? By following everything that I have told you until this point to a T. What will happen if you violate something that I have told you? You will end up desecrating my need. This is not just a matter of shefting something wrong or putting something in the wrong corner of the Mishkan. Rather, there is something much greater at play here. That there is something called a Chilol Hashem, a desecration of Hashem, and a Kiddush Hashem that is at play when you serve here in the Mishkan. That based on how you act and what you do will affect how the rest of B'nai Israel perceives me. So the Ibn Ezra's approach is that it is very specific. It is directly to the Kohanim, and it is telling them to follow the laws that they received exactly so that they will not make a Chil Hashem and that they have the ability to create a Kiddush Hashem. But now you're saying, wait, these concepts are not new to us. You don't need to wait till Parshat Emor, Parakhaf Bet, to tell us that we have a mitzvah of making a Kiddush Hashem. Every kid who's ever gone to elementary school knows that we have a concept of Kiddush Hashem, that you get on a bus to go on a trip and you get off the bus and your teacher says to you, Kinderlach, please check the bus. Please make sure that you didn't leave any garbage. We want to make a Kiddush Hashem. We, we, we are Jewish children. We want to make a Kiddush Hashem. Isn't that how we typically understand Kiddush Hashem? Not as an instruction to Aaron and his sons to shaft all the carbonate appropriately. So that approach, the approach of you have to make a Kiddush Hashem from the elementary school teacher to her students can also be found in the Mepharshim. That is the second approach, that it is not only to the Kohanim, it is, into, it is to the congregation, it is to the, um, the entire nation, but as a very specific mitzvah. The Berchas Asher al-Hatorah tells us, he says, this is the one specific place in the Torah in which we are instructed about the Isser of not creating a Chil Hashem and the mitzvah of creating a Kiddush Hashem as a mitzvah in and of itself. That other places, and that's what we are going to delve into in our third approach, and also we touched upon in the first approach, but specifically to Aaron, so that was a little different, in every other place, we think of Kiddush and Chil Hashem as an outcome of something else. So if you do this correctly, then Hashem says, my name will be glorified. And if you do this incorrectly, my name will be desecrated. But here he says that we are receiving a mitzvah specifically to not desecrate Hashem's name and to make a glorification of Hashem's name whenever and however that we can. So he says, this is a mitzvah bifnei atzmo. The Chassam Sofer tells us more similar to what we're used to from our elementary school teachers. The Chassam Sofer tells us, The Chassam Sofer tells us we have a responsibility. If you are someone who learns, you have to recognize that the whole world is looking at you as someone who learns Torah. And not just as someone who learns Torah, but as the person who learns Torah. Because to everybody else, you might be that one person they know who learns Torah. 
And they are going to look at you and they are going to either say, like how off and how, how, um, how unrefined are his ways. But if you act in the appropriate way, then they will look at you and they will say, Wow, awesome is the person who learns Torah. How incredible is their life. So the Chassam Sofer says it is also a specific mitzvah and it is a mitzvah to act in a certain way that gives off a proper impression of what it is to lead a life of Torah. However, I think that there is a third approach that sort of combines the two, but also gives us a more broad understanding. Because if we take a step back and we think about our original Gemara, do either of these seem to fit perfectly into that Gemara? And I believe the answer is no. If we are looking to address specifically Aaron and his sons and in that they must follow the halachot that they received perfectly, that doesn't seem to give justification for giving up our life in order to not serve a vodazara. It just doesn't seem to have one, one does not have to seemingly have to do with the other. And if we're looking at the mitzvah of Chil Hashem and the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem as mitzvah bifne atzmo, or as an instruction to us to act in a way that gives off a proper impression of Torah, the first one wouldn't work because we're going to say that the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem or the Isser of Chil Hashem would outweigh the Chai Bahem, that you should live for the mitzvah, or that it would outweigh and that it would lead you to be able to violate and serve a Bodhizara or Shvich Hasdamim or Gilai Arayos, it doesn't seem like something like that would even come into the same conversation. Like this seems like a very nice idea, perhaps, but not something that would outweigh or even come into the same conversation as such large a view. So what I want to look at now is what really is this concept of Kiddush and Chil Hashem. And I think to start this off, we have to look back at the context, the question of the context, that where are we receiving this instruction? We are receiving it in the middle of Parsha and we're at the end of the instructions to the Kohanim. The Mepharshim tell us that where does a number of Mepharshim discuss, where does this section begin? And they say that it begins all the way back at the beginning of Parsha Kedoshim. So a Parsha and a half ago, Hashem said to us, Kedoshim tihiyu, you should be holy. And then Hashem continued on and proceeded to give halacha after halacha, mitzvah after mitzvah that guide us to a life of holiness, that teach us what it means, Kedoshim tihiyu. That Hashem did not just say, be holy and have fun figuring out what that means. Rather, Hashem goes through point by point exactly what it means to be holy. And the Mepharshim then say, in order to give an end cap to this section, Hashem concludes here with this more broad statement, that he ends with two final halachot that kind of summarize everything that we've talked about until this point. And that is, You should not desecrate my name. And you should glorify my name among Am Yisrael. That we have gone through how personally you should be a kadush, a holy person. And now we talk about more broadly that this is not just about you, about you being holy, but to end off the entire section, we say, think about this in context of how it affects Shem Hashem in the world. 
So these Mepharshim say that it is a more broad concept that is meant to apply in different places. How do we see this work? In Devarim Perak Vav, we have a famous, famous Pasuk. V'yahavta es Hashem alokecha, b'chol levavcha, b'chol nafshecha, u'b'chol me'odecha. Now we are very familiar with this Pasuk. We say it each and every day in Kriya Shema, but it is quite a repetitive Pasuk. And the Gemara in Brachos asks the question of why is this Pasuk so repetitive? And the Gemara in Brachos says, Rabbi Tani Rabbi Eliezer Omer, im ne'emar b'chol nafshecha, if it already says that you should love Hashem with your entire nefesh, with your entire soul, why does it then say with your whole being? And if it already says why does it also have to say but if you have a person whose body is more dear to them from their money, and to that person, it says, serve Hashem with what you value most. But if you have a person whose money is more dear to him from his body, and to him it says, serve Hashem with what is most dear to you, and that is your money. Rabbi Akiva Omer, but Rabbi Akiva comes along and says, Afilu notel et nafshecha. That what does it mean? What does it mean to love Hashem bechol nafshecha with your entire soul? Afilu notel et nafshecha. That you should even be willing to give up your nefesh. You should be willing to give up your life. I want to pause here for one minute and say, does Rabbi Akiva have any backing to what he is saying here? That where from this very beautiful Pasuk in the beginning of Shema, where it says, Rabbi Akiva seems to be taking quite a large jump here. When Rabbi Akiva says, that you should be willing to even give up your life for Avas Hashem, for the sake of Hashem. Does he have a basis to say this? And if we look back at Rashi on our Pasuk, Rashi on our Pasuk says, V'lo t'chalalu, when it says you should not desecrate, mashma shene'emar, v'lo t'chalalu, matam lomar v'nit kadashti. If it already says v'lo t'chalalu, it says you should not desecrate Hashem's name. Why does it also have to say v'nit kadashti, and you should glorify Hashem's name? Masor atzmecha v'kadesh Rashi tells us, that this is an instruction to us that we should masor atzmecha, you should be willing to sacrifice yourself, the Shemo, in order to glorify Hashem's name. That we shouldn't just live in a way that we're avoiding desecrating Hashem's name. Rather, Rashi says, no, you should be willing to take that extreme step. You should be willing, masor atzmecha, you should be willing to sacrifice your life in order to make a Kiddush Hashem. This seems the same as the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. So Rashi continues on and says, Yachol biyachid, is this true when it comes to doing something in front of one individual? Tamalomar betoch b'nei Yisrael. No, he says, rather, this is talking about when we are among a group of b'nei Yisrael. When you are in front of other people, you should be willing, misor you should be willing to sacrifice yourself in order to glorify Hashem's name. Now, this is ringing similar to what we read in our first Gemara. When you are willing to sacrifice your life, you really have to be willing to think that you are going to die. Because if someone says, oh, I'm sacrificing my life, Hashem, you know what that means? 
really, I expect you to do a miracle for me. I don't really plan to die, Al-Kiddush Hashem. Hashem says, if someone sacrifices themselves on the condition and thinks that I'm going to do a nis for them, those people don't receive nisim. It says, where do we see proof of that? From Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah. That when they were willing to sacrifice themselves, they were truly willing to die, and therefore Hashem did a nis for them. So we have this Rashi that seems to support Rabbi Akiva, that at first we thought, oh, Rabbi Akiva is a little bit out there. That Rabbi Akiva's approach seems to be a little extreme. That he's willing to sacrifice his life. But Rashi seems to have the same opinion. That when it says, kadashi, this is saying that we should be willing to die al-Kiddush Hashem. The Rambam, however, says a little more Tone down. He says, Rambam, the Rambam says that all of B'nai Israel are commanded on this commandment of Kiddush Hashem. And they are commanded to not desecrate Hashem's name. The Rambam says, we are commanded, every individual in Am Yisrael is commanded in the Isser of not making a Chil Hashem and the commandment of making a Kiddush Hashem. However, he says, if an Oved Kochavim, if someone who is not Jewish stands up and says to a member of B'nai Yisrael, violate this mitzvah, and if not, I will kill you. You should violate this mitzvah. So the Rambam says, yes, there are certain mitzvahs that we will violate, that, that we should not violate, that we have to die for because of this commandment of Kiddush and Phil Hashem. But he says in general, just remember, this is not our general approach. This is not what we always do. Rather, that is some very high level that you should not apply this to every single situation. So based on Rashi and the Rambam, we see that there is this concept of giving your life up, Al-Kiddush Hashem, that Rabbi Akiva brought up in our Gemara. But now let's go on and let's learn the story of Rabbi Akiva to see how he really puts this into action. That again, the words of Rabbi Akiva were, um, that you should even be willing to give up your life. So now we get a story. The evil Roman Empire commanded that no one was allowed to learn Torah. Papas Ben Yehuda was walking through the street and he saw Rabbi Akiva and he saw that Rabbi Akiva was gathering groups of students and they were learning Torah. Amarlai, he said to him, Akiva, are you afraid of the king? Amarlo, em sholucha mashal. Rabbi Akiva says, let me tell you a mashal. Lemadavar doma. What is this similar? Lishual shahaya mehalech agav hanahor. Vera'ada gim shahayumit kabsimi makom makom. There is a fox that is walking on the banks of the river and he sees fish that are darting from one place to another. Amarlahem, he says to them, mifne ma temborchim. Why are you guys running? Amrulo, mifne rishatot shemibi in alinu bineyadam. Amar, so they say because of these nets that B'nai Adam cast on us, that they, the B'nai Adam, the human beings catch us. Amar Lami says to them, Should I take you out of the water? I should take you onto the dry land. 
we'll live together. You'll you'll come onto the land and I'll I'll live together with you with you. Amrulo, they say to him, is it you who they call the blind one among the animals? You are so silly. So he says, they say, if we're scared when we're in the water, at least here we have a chance of living. If you take us out of the water, we're now disconnected from our life source. We can't live outside of the water. Better we should stay here where eventually we know we'll get caught rather than you take us out and we know we're caught. So he says, Rabbi Akiva says the same is true for us. Right now we're sitting here and learning Torah. Torah is our life source. This is the source of our life. So he says, if we stop learning Torah, of course we're going to die. If we learn Torah, we might die. And if we don't learn Torah, for sure we are going to die. However, there was only a number of days until they did come along and they did capture Rabbi Akiva. And they also captured Papa Ben Yehuda. And both of them were incarcerated in the same jail. Amrulo, Papas mi haviachalakan, Amarle, Ashracha Rabbi Akiva, Shanita Safta al Torah. So Papas bin Yehuda now turns to Rabbi Akiva and says, Ashracha, at least you were caught for something meaningful. Aili, the Papa Shanitfas al Devarim Betelim, and Aila Papa said he was caught for doing nothing. Bishashahutziu et Rabbi Akiva lahariga. So a very well-known story that Rabbi Akiva, when he was taken out to be executed, it was the time for saying and they were combing his skin with burning combs made out of copper. But what was Rabbi Akiva doing? He was being His student said to him, and his student said, Rabbi, enough, enough. You don't need to keep saying Kriya Shema. Just, you're being tortured. And he turned to them and he said, all of my life, I have struggled with the fact that I wasn't able to keep this mitzvah that we read in Kriya Shema every day. You know what I hold on this pasuk, that this means that you should be willing to give up your life. So now when the opportunity to fulfill this Pasuk has come into my hands, I shouldn't fulfill it. He dragged out the final word until his Nishama left him. The, um, everyone said, Ashracha Rabbi Akiva, wow, how incredible was Rabbi Akiva that his neshama left when he was finishing being the Kabbal Ol Malchus Shamayim. Amru Malachi Ashari, so the Malachi Ashari said, This is the schar, this is the reward for learning Torah. Mimatim Yatcha, um, Amar Lahem, Chalkam Vachayim Yatsta Bakkova Amar, Ashracha Rabbi Akiva, Shatam Azuman Lachaye Olam Haba. So the, the Malachim said to Hashem, what is this? This is the reward for learning Torah. 
But the Baskal came out and said, Rabbi Akiva, your reward is in the world to come. So how do we typically understand this Gemara? Typically, we say Rabbi Akiva held like Rashi that what is the greatest fulfillment of the mitzvah of making a Kiddush Hashem, it is the afilu notelet nishmatcha. How do you show that you truly love Hashem? How do you truly glorify Hashem's name? Through dying al Kiddush Hashem. And I think when we, when we think of the stereotypical Kiddush Hashem, we think of those that have given up their life al Kiddush Hashem. Rather, whether it was during any of the terrible tragedies that our nation has gone through, whether it is in the modern state of Israel, whatever it is, we think of those that have given up their life, Al-Kiddush Hashem. That we think that Rabbi Akiva was waiting his entire life to come to this higher, highest level of being able to be Makadi Shem Shemayim. And therefore, when he arrived in this situation, he, there was nothing else he would rather do than be Makabo Omach Shemayim and die with the words of Kriya Shema in his mouth. However, I want to reframe this because I hope that this concept remains totally and completely unrelatable to everyone who's here tonight. That I hope we never have to come into a situation where we think, are we going to be Makadish Shem Shamayim through giving up our lives, Al Kiddush Hashem? Eliezer Berkovitz reframes this, and I think he gives us an insight into Kiddush Hashem through the story of Rabbi Akiva that can be much more relatable in our lives and help us to understand this overarching idea of Kiddush and Chil Hashem. Berkowitz states, accepting the yoke of the kingdom, Rabbi Akiva was doing what he had been doing every single day of his life. It was, one might say, routine, the extraordinary situation invested the routine with extraordinary meaning and dignity. But Rabbi Akiva was not responding to a situation. He ignored it. The Roman soldiers came to fetch him. They abused his body. It happened to be the time of day when a Jew recites the Shema. Let the Romans do to him whatever they please. Rabbi Akiva could not be concerned with it. He had more important things to which to turn his attention. It was time for the saying of the Shema. What did it matter what Rome did to him? He went about his business of living the daily life of a Jew, continuing with the routine of Jewish existence and ignoring the world that is bent on crushing the Jew is one of the marks of Kiddush Hashem. So what is Berkowitz saying? Berkowitz is saying that when we typically think of it, we think of a situation in which Rabbi Akiva was being brought into this terrible, terrible situation. And in that situation, he made the choice to say Kriya Shema. Brother Berkowitz says, pay attention to the wording of the Gemara. It says that at the time when Rabbi Akiva was being fetched to be brought to his execution, it was the time of saying Kriya Shema. And therefore, what did Rabbi Akiva do? He said Kriya Shema. It didn't matter what was happening to him. It didn't matter the torture that he was enduring. He was going to carry on as a Jew. That what does it mean to make a Kiddush Hashem? It doesn't mean simply to die al Kiddush Hashem. Because we have this other concept of the Chai Bahem. And that's why each time our original Gemara brings up that that you should die in order to sanctify Hashem's name, it counters that with the Chai Bahem, that you should live through that. 
And that is the lesson that Rabbi Akiva is teaching us, is that how do we truly make a Kiddush Hashem? We live our lives as Jews. That Rabbi Akiva sees, saw it in the reverse. He was living his life. He, it was time for Kriya Shema. He was going to say Kriya Shema. So the Romans decided that in that moment, they were going to torture him. They were going to abuse his body. He was going to ignore them. And he was going to power on as a Jew. He was going to continue saying Kriya Shema, no matter what was happening to him. And that was the Kiddush Hashem. That a Kiddush Hashem is living as a Jew, not dying as a Jew. The Rabbi Akiva did not believe that the moment of Kiddush Hashem came when he gave up his life. Rather, it was when he was living his life. He was saying Kriya Shema as he did every single day. So how do we understand this? That it is not about dying Al-Kiddush Hashem. It is not this age-old concept that the most commitment we can have to a cause is our willingness to die for the cause. Rather, we say that is not the Jewish approach. The Jewish approach is the Chai Baham. We should live through them. That we should not just think about, oh, theoretically, I would give up my life, Al-Kiddush Hashem. Rather, we should live a life that is that Hashem says, yes, you should live a life of holiness. And the end cap of this, the pinnacle is that make sure that each and every action you do in your life is Mikadish Shem Shamayim. So may we have the, these opportunities and we, may we take hold of these opportunities each and every day in our lives to do what we do as Jewish people, to live with Kedusha, and in turn, be Mekadish Shem Shemayim. Thank you for joining tonight. Let's